Hi y'all, my name is Dicey. And I'm Gibson. And this is the TV Review Guide podcast where we talk TV and today we're going to talk about Atlanta season one. Atlanta is a show that was created by Donald Glover aka Childish Gambino um not long after I feel like he kind of released some of his music right after he left Community and um it is about uh main character Earn played by Donald Glover who is trying to become a manager for a rap artist named Paperboy who also is his cousin and it takes place in Atlanta Georgia um and I would call it very small scale surrealist comedy I mean, the first half of the first season is very regular, not a lot of stuff happens, but you do see a lot of Donald Glover's more eccentric comedy style. You know, he wrote for 30 Rock and was, of course, on Community, and then went on to make his music career, where most of his music involves very humorous lines. Um... I definitely but think. All things considered, really, season one, the first half of season one, feels like just a very ordinary FX TV show. It really doesn't make its own until later into the season, but it's still respectable. It's still well written. The first half of the first season, I would say, is slow. That's how I would describe it. It's kind of a slog to get through. Um, it's... Your first time viewing it, it's not too rough. But rewatching it isn't easy. Yeah, I definitely think things start to pick up after the ban episode, which is like the 8th episode in the 10th episode Seventh. series. 7th. Um, so, you know, that's what four episodes that I feel like the pace is starting to pick up and you're getting to know the characters a little bit better so that you feel really comfortable with them. Some of the most memorable scenes are from the last four episodes of the first season. Off the top of my head I really can't recall too much that happens in the first seven episodes other than a few key moments which were either just really well written and were funny or just had some sort of impact on the story from that point, but other than that, I can't remember much of most of the episodes from the first season. Yeah, unfortunately, I do think that on the rewatch, it didn't have the same impact that it did on the first watch. It didn't captivate me as much. I really, I fell asleep halfway through the fourth episode on our rewatch, and... I still didn't miss too much. Of course, I went back and watched it, but it really, like, could have just kept going, and my mind would have filled in the blanks. Um, standout characters for me, I would say my favorite characters are Van and Darius. I feel like we are on the same page with Darius, but not on the same page with Van. I do not like Van very much. She is Ernst. Uh, girlfriend or ex-girlfriend and baby mama. It's complicated. They're, they live in a very complicated relationship but Van is the love interest for Ern undoubtedly even though he's not exactly loyal to her all the time uh, but you, you learn more about that throughout the middle of the first season. Yeah, and we don't want to get into that yet, because yeah. spoilers, and we'll get into the spoilers more later, but... But Darius is uh, Alfred, who is Paperboy. Uh, the rapper. Yeah. It's and Ern's cousin. his best friend. Uh, Darius is mostly comic relief. Most of the times you see him in a scene, he's doing something that's just kind of weird, or he just has a remark... Um, it's the same actor as the main character from Sorry to Bother You. Yeah, his name is Lakeith Green. I don't remember off the top of my head. He is a phenomenal actor, though. Um, and 
he does a fantastic job as the comic relief for this series as a whole even in season two he keeps it up no his last name is stanfield i don't know where the green came from so what's his name lakeith stanfield okay um he i would say has the best performances out of the show like donald glover does a good job and i do think that he like fuels the show and his little some of his little moments some of his little quips um and reactions to things are definitely like you are supposed to be in the shoes of urn reacting to all this weird shit that's happening but like he's supposed to be a pseudo straight man the show takes the same stance as like something like a water not watered down but a toned down community and that weird stuff just happens and i feel like it's much more mundane though the weird stuff is meant to be integrated into the universe whereas community it's the absurdity exists as well as like inside the universe i would argue that it's the same thing for this show it's just toned down No, I mean, like, I think it comes off as more dull. Like, even in the coloring, like, community is very bright, it's very... Well, yes, of course, it's it's set in Atlanta, Georgia, given the name. It's not exactly the most bright city, and the portrayal that they're going for is definitely supposed to be more gritty, mostly because the events that we see take place to the main characters as one of them is a rapper and the other one is a manager for said rapper is usually you know bombastic and exciting like going to clubs and partying but we also just see them get fucked over all the time right and when we say like he's a manager of a rapper he's not like a manager of somebody who's making like a lot of money he is a manager of an up-and-coming rapper who got popular for the viral song and he's trying to make some sort of name for himself within atlanta like he's not even really like well known um and so i think it it's just much duller it's much more when i say dull i don't mean like don't mean boring it was just very toned down and the absurdity i think is not really played for laughs as much as it is like just an integrated part of their universe i would argue that the absurdity is played for laughs in most scenes that it happens there's usually a character reacting to the absurdity and you know poking fun at it while everyone else is responding how a normal person would when someone slips through a false door on a wall when you're not looking at them like a fucking scooby-doo character uh, i think the only times that i feel like the absurdity was played for like slapstick humor is when it was darius because darius is so a lot of the things he says are like kind of out of left field like in the last episode we talked about Brittany and how she would just say things on Glee I think Darius plays somewhat of a similar role although nobody seems to think that Darius is stupid as much as they just don't seem to live in the same world that Darius lives in he moves to the beat of his own drum that's definitely what he is intended to be like there's that scene where he pulls out like hamburgers out of the fridge and he like takes a bite out of them and it's like nice and cold that was weird (laughs) yeah he's just got a lot of weird moments um moving on from darius though there really aren't that many characters in the show that are meant to be likable as much as darius and even van is to an extent i just don't like her very much personally um i feel like with characters like van and urn it's more of a personal judgment call because they're so realistic they are they're very people like they move on screen as if you know an 
everyday person would. Like I said, they'll react to absurd situations exactly how I would, and other characters don't, of course, but most characters are meant to be like that, where they're just very realistic and mostly just a straight man to the absurdity that is whatever the hell is happening on screen. Yeah, um, I feel like the show makes you question a lot. Like, do you like these people? Other than Darius, because I think everybody who watches this show probably enjoys Darius because he's generally nice and enjoys other people, but like, Ern and Alfred and Van, they're all kind of people who make you question them a lot. And like, why are you doing this? And a lot of times I don't like Ern. I find him to be kind of annoying and whiny and I can see why his family gets frustrated with him. Yeah, there aren't really that many other characters that stick around for more than just a couple episodes at a time. It's a pretty small cast. It is a fairly small cast. There is, of course, some returning characters from other episodes, but for the most part, you're going to be spending your time with those four characters, and they all do a pretty good job. They're all fantastic actors. Or actors. I really like Alfred's actor. Um, he's, you know... I believe his name is Brian Tyree Henry? I've never looked up his name, but he's a pretty good actor. I haven't seen him in anything else that I can think of, but he does a very good job with his role. I didn't particularly enjoy his character, but he's not... He's definitely not meant to be enjoyed. I don't know. Like, sometimes I like Alfred. I'm like, I definitely agree with him sometimes. And I think as we get more into the characters, I think it might be a good time to go ahead and move into spoiler territory. Because I would like to really talk about the characters in more depth. Because we do spend time with a really small cast. And there's really not a whole lot of change to that. Even in season two. So... I feel like we can go ahead and move into spoiler territory, but... Uh... Yeah, I'd like to talk about some specific episodes. So if you haven't seen season one of Atlanta, it is a must-watch. If you have Hulu, it's on there. If you have a computer and are not afraid of viruses, it's out there for you. Because... I, we are not encouraging that you pirate things. I'm not encouraging that you pirate things. I'm not encouraging that you do either, but this is one of those shows that you really, really should see at least the first season, by all means necessary. Find someone out there who will let you borrow their Hulu, go find it through a friend, whatever you gotta do. Go buy a DVD on Amazon, if you must. Honestly, I would say that the first season isn't worth watching without the second season. Because the second season is where things really get good, and, like, I enjoy the second season a lot more. But the first season is a good judgment of if you'll like the rest of the second season. Especially the latter half of the first season, which the second season is much more like. But either way... We're going to move on to spoilers from here, talk about some specific episodes. If you don't care about that, stay tuned. If you do, please go watch it. Alright. So let's get into character specifics, because I feel like this is, this is a show that is almost a character study, in a way. It's very driven by its small cast. And all the actors are very talented. Um, even though I don't really like uh, Earn a lot of the times, like, I really think that Donald Glover is giving it 150% of effort in this. He is playing a character... He's playing this character very well. Um, and I think that the the episode that shows that the best is probably my favorite up in this episode in the season when they go to the Juneteenth party. Oh, that is an episode that I'm not very familiar of. Um, 
I do remember a lot of the scenes from it. And it does appear it's the second to last episode of mm-hmm. the season. Um, but I don't know. It's a very Urn and Van focused episode. Two of my least favorite characters. I wasn't really there for it, but... It's my it's my favorite episode of the season. I like it more than Ban, which I think might be an unpopular opinion because I think that episode is pretty well liked. But Juneteenth, I feel like, gives us a very in-depth view of Van and Ern's relationship, which before then hadn't really been explored um, so intimately. Like, you get an idea of the complicated nature of their relationship, but you don't really, um, you don't get the same like intimate experience and you're really getting to see how they get on each other's nerves and you can tell that they've known each other for a long time and um I really like when you know she gets upset because he does that whole speech about how he wouldn't ever want to be with anybody else that he couldn't ever even think about another woman um we know that that's not true and he's doing that because she asked him to play this role of like the perfect husband because she's trying to get a job and she's at like kind of a prestigious household's party for Juneteenth and um a white household correct it is a black woman married to a white man that's right um and the white man is very obsessed with African culture um strange character ironically at the end of that episode the character who rubbed me the wrong way the most was the woman because she obviously wanted to separate herself from her culture when she was talking about how like um it's an unseemly thing for people to work in the rap industry and she just seemed very like she was looking down her nose at people who are involved in that subsect of african culture but when her or african-american culture but when her husband is you know painting pictures as a about a like a malcolm x quote or doing spoken word poetry um it doesn't bother her that he is interacting with her culture that way but then it would bother her that uh somebody who is black is a black american is interacting with black culture that bothers her and i just i really didn't like her character although she was very interesting throughout the episode seeing her interact with van was interesting yeah but you know at the end you can just tell that everything is very performative Um, well I mean the whole episode is like kind of hinting at a very performative nature in both the husband and the wife but the performativeness seems like it's coming from the woman at the end you get this sense that she's she has some sort of disdain for parts of black american culture that are not wealthy necessarily uh by far my favorite episodes were the seventh and eighth episodes which of course ties in with the fact that the show is so fucking boring for the first six episodes but it's a hard tie between the seventh episode which is the black american new or network episode where we see paperboy on a talk show about the rap industry and how the rap industry interacts with the lgbt community particularly trans people because this show came out in 2016 was it 2016? It was 2016. Hmm. Um, so, of course, Caitlyn Jenner was a hot topic at around that time. Uh, and they talk about her in that episode. And it's it's the hardest step into the weird territory. Because the entire episode is framed around watching this TV show with ads introduced. It has, like, cutaway gags, which are just 
an ad break like three or four times through the episode where we just get to like calm down de-stress from a sensitive topic and see something funny on the screen yeah there's this running arc in the ads with a dodge charger a man um, driving his Dodge Charger around town, mm-hmm. and you get to the end of the episode, and the final ad plays, and it's revealed that he was recently divorced, and everything was taken from him except for his Dodge Charger, so he just drives it around town, not saying a word. It, and there's another subplot where we see a young boy who is African-American and he identifies as a 36 or 35-year-old white man from Colorado. And the whole time they're interviewing him and asking him questions about how no one really accepts him and how tough that is for him and how the African-American community just looks down on him when they find out about how he identifies and of course it's kind of a ridiculous thing for a 16 17 year old kid to identify as a 35 year old who works at a coca-cola plant yeah so i was uh looking up when we found out about rachel dolezal um you know who that is right no uh she was the head of chapter of the NAACP, which was a volunteer role, but she was a white woman who identified as a black woman, and she didn't, she like lived her life as a black woman, and um, she had become quite a big figure uh, in the black community at the time. And then in 2015, in late 2015, it was found out that she was actually biologically white, um, and she identified as a black woman, but she she adopted two boys who were black, and um, I believe they were her husband's children. Um, and people thought, you know, first of all, transracial identities, that's extremely controversial. Um, and I think that this was a way for the show to both talk about trans identities and this burgeoning idea of a transracial person. Um, And I have some issues with the way that they handled things, but I also think that it gave some more flesh to the character of Alfred. Yeah, Alfred is definitely set up to be a punching bag for the first half of the episode. He is repeatedly referring to Caitlyn Jenner using the wrong pronouns Mm -hmm. and just generally being kind of an ass about the way his songs are interpreted, in particular with some of the homosexual undertones in his music, which... I mean, the example that they had wasn't really prevalent, or not prevalent, present. It was more just like a weird offline that he had that could just be vaguely interpreted as uh, gay-inclusive. But there is a lot of lyrical content in uh, extremely straight bodies of work that could be construed as being an ally towards LGBT communities. Yeah. And the whole time he's just set up to be kind of an ass and near the end of the episode it's revealed that the transracial kid who identifies as a 35-year-old white man is deeply bigoted towards homosexuals and transsexual people. So it kind of, you know, it... It's not even much of a bait and switch. You could probably see that one coming if you thought about it for a second. But in the episode, you're not really thinking about it. Especially because they're using this person as an example of someone who is being progressive and, and, and you know. And he's experiencing oppression firsthand through other people treating him differently. Hell, the first time that he's shown 
to Al. Al just makes fun of him for like. He just laughs. He just he just laughs. cannot stop laughing. He makes fun of his haircut. He makes fun of the way he's dressed, and it's like a good example of the hardships that someone like that would have to face in real life. But then there's the bait and switch where it turns out that he's the deeply bigoted one and he's the one that can't see past all of these things despite the fact that he himself is oppressed and in alfred by the end you get the sense that alfred doesn't have disdain just doesn't understand and he says in the episode that he doesn't have any negative thoughts at the forefront of his brain but that he just doesn't have the time or energy to interact and care about it because he's trying to make it on his own, and that's a hard enough thing to do in America, let alone having to worry about your fellow Americans' rights when you have to constantly fight for your own, which is a flawed way of thinking, but it is understandable when you've been crushed by the boot. Yeah, but, you know, I think that... Donald Glover was maybe trying to deal with his own feelings surrounding because I've I don't think that Donald Glover is homophobic that's not what I'm saying I just think that you know he said things in some of his music that have been offensive that people have not taken well specifically about rape um and it being a punchline in a lot of his music and I think maybe he was trying to grapple with his own feelings of interacting with other oppressed communities that he isn't a part of specifically for donald glover i think that he has a difficult time um dealing with misogyny and then you know this is a conversation with uh alfred and he's having a hard time grappling with lgbtq plus issues um and feeling disconnected from it because he doesn't feel a responsibility to queer people yeah um the same way he would feel a responsibility to another black person but i think the issue with that is intersectionality is so prevalent in all of our lives that there is no supporting black people if you don't support queer people or you're misogynistic because then you're cutting out a decent chunk of black people when you try to separate it like that yeah um i'd like to talk about my second favorite episode or tied for my first which is the eighth episode immediately following this one uh, it's the one where they're in the club Ooh, that's a good one uh it's really where we see like the seventh episode it's a tv show you see the weird commercials and you're introduced to the absurdity of this world but in the eighth episode, it really kicks it up a notch. There's a couple of throwaway gags in it where it's just like, wait, hold on, rewind. What the fuck are you talking about? A dude owns an invisible car. Mm-hmm. And there's a punchline to it at the end of the episode where he hits someone with his invisible car in the background of a scene and no one talks about it. I didn't even notice it until my second time watching it. Really? No, I didn't because it's in the background. All you hear is someone scream and then someone's in the air because they got hit by a car. You don't know that that car's invisible unless you watch them get hit. And there's that scene that I was talking about earlier where uh, Ern is trying to track down the guy who works for the club and is supposed to be paying for Al to be performing at the club. And he's just being slimy and fishy and trying to get away from Earn and not pay them. And there's a scene where they finally sit down and they get to the bar and he orders them a shot. Earn looks away for a second and you just watch him walk to the background, flip the switch of a uh, fire alarm, and then a false door just turns around and hides him away. And then Ern's like, you saw that shit, right? Yeah, and the lady behind the bar is laughing because it's absurd. And like I said, it just kicks it up from there. The rest of the season, the rest of the series is just kind of at that level. I think uh, a good example of the mundane absurdity, the kinds of things that are just kind of like built into the world that they don't really 
acknowledge as being like absurd um in that episode when alfred is trying to buy another bottle of like champagne for his section and then the other person that's in the other vip section just buys out the entire bar and then leaves with all the liquor and that was so funny and they didn't they weren't like the club just closes after that yeah because they have no more alcohol (laughs) and the guy just goes home in his invisible car yeah i mean and the invisible car thing i think is a little less mundane but they really didn't react to the guy like buying all the alcohol in the bar and then leaving yeah Uh, in a way that i think that somebody in like real life would probably react to that Uh, but we should probably talk about what actually happens in this episode because there are more reasons than just the absurdity as to why i like it um as mentioned you see Ern, Al, and Darius all go to a club with the intent of being a promoter and getting paid for it. And we get an A plot and a B plot of Ern going to get the money from the guy who runs the club and Al just trying to party and have a good time at this club. He doesn't like being at clubs, and he's not the, like, bigger VIP person. Somebody from a different, like, a sports team is there. Ern doesn't like being at clubs. Al loves partying. He loves being at clubs. And the whole time he's trying to put on this bombastic show and get everyone over to his section and to party with him. And he can't get any attention until he just starts offering drinks to everybody. Which, of course, works, but then you just have a bunch of people sitting next to you that don't know who you are, won't know who you are, and are just going to leave with your free booze. Yeah, and I feel like it was good for us to learn a little bit about Alfred when Darius leaves, because Darius just leaves. He leaves, (laughs) he has to go do something, he returns and the bouncer won't let him into the section with Al because he has the wrong color wrist band on, even though that's the one that he was given. Uh, so he just goes home. Al calls him later and it's revealed that he's just sitting at home playing video games, eating cereal while they're all at this fucking club doing their work. <laughs> um... I think it was nice to see them kind of alone, like, separated from the intimate cast. Because we got to see how they interact with other people, and this episode kind of made me dislike Alfred more, because he, like, is drinking and hanging out with this girl, and she has a boyfriend, and he He gets all pissy with her at the end of the episode because she doesn't want to sleep with him and she doesn't tell him he has or she has a boyfriend because he never really asks until the end of the episode when he's trying to get her number and then she's like i'm just gonna go home to my boyfriend you came to the club to have a good time with cute girls i'm a cute girl we had a good time what's wrong and he just kind of shows an ugly face of his where he's just like deeply upset by this wants to leave the club immediately Uh, and then that is when we get one of the funniest moments of this episode and maybe of um donald glover's career uh and he goes i just can't do it i'm not big like you man i'm not i just can't he's he's so drunk and he's so whiny like a little baby and he can't get this money from the club owner because (laughs) the club owner's just being a dick and saying like oh well your boy already paid like racked up a whole tab and he was supposed to perform and he didn't do that and no one really paid attention to him so you're not gonna get any of the money really And and then alfred goes back there whoops the dude's ass takes the money and some beer and then chaos ensues as usual with the show anytime alfred gets hands-on shit just gets real bad real fast yeah because you know you can't do shit like that and not have consequences 
I also thought it was funny when Alfred goes down and threatens the club owner and he slaps him across the face and it like throws him across the room and then after he leaves he's like wiping the blood off his lip and he goes that boy's gonna be a star yeah. <laughs> that was a really good episode and I think that it really gave us some complexity to the characters of Ern and and Alfred everyone else kind of gets set to the side but yeah so you've talked about your two favorite episodes. We talked about Juneteenth, which was my favorite. My second favorite probably would be the episode between where it's like mostly focused on Van. And she smokes with her friend the night before and then she has to take a drug test the next day. Ah, uh, yeah. That's a pretty good one. I, uh... It's episode six. Of course, it's at the end of the first season because it's where all the good episodes hide. Um, it's, yeah, it's a pretty good episode. I wanted to talk about it too. Uh, I really did enjoy that one as well, but just not as much as I enjoyed everything after it. Um, I think this is when the show starts to get a little bit weirder because there's this whole sequence where she is like trying to figure out what she's gonna do because she forgot she had a drug test and she is calls Alfred he doesn't have anything for her her friend who she smoked with doesn't have anything for her and so she changes her baby's diaper her and and Ern's baby's diaper and then she realizes that she could probably use the pee from the baby and then she gets a bunch of diapers from the diaper bag like the trash um in her baby's bedroom and gets all the ones that only have pee in them and boils them and takes two uh colanders and like pushes the piss out and is like using like ru giant rubber gloves and like it looks almost like a scene from breaking bad it is absolutely disgusting Disgusting. Yeah, she really took it to the next level. You can't watch it without physically cringing because you just are like, that must have felt terrible. And like, also, Ern is in the next room with their kid. Like, how is he not noticing that she's in here he going all breaking bad on these diapers? Probably doesn't care. She puts it in a condom, tapes it to her thigh. And then the most upsetting thing happens. She goes into the bathroom to take the piss test. And she can't get the condom open. And she tries to open it with her mouth and it explodes in her hair. And a lot of this episode is just spent kind of silently watching Van struggle. And... Yeah. There's not a lot of commentary going on. I just... I really enjoyed it. I really... It, it was nice to have a little bit of alone time with Van as a person rather than as an extension of her. Because it's a good chance to see how she ticks on her own, where she's just one of these people that, by any means necessary, she's going to do what she can. If she's going to lose her job, she's going to pull out all of the stops, including boiling baby diapers and pushing the piss out of it. Um, this is the best look we get at Van, and then I think Juneteenth is a close second. You're watching her get drunk and, and seeing her emotional reaction to things, and also the, the moment where she's talking to those people on the couch and grabs another drink and, um, Ern is, like, very quietly, just, like, touches her on the arm and goes, you should slow down while they're like in the middle of a conversation with somebody um it's it was very nice to see van um in her own element and as much as this show doesn't let the characters really succeed um you get like 
you root for her anyway, I feel like. I was rooting for her anyway. Even though I knew, because of the way that the show has worked so far, you don't really get a whole lot of satisfying endings to things. Most of the time things are just kind of abruptly ended and you don't get a lot of satisfaction in the conclusion. There usually is a conclusion, it's just not a very satisfying one. Yeah, most episodes kind of just tend to end on a whimper where it's like, well, all that shit sucked. I would say especially the episode that we're talking about, because at the end of the episode, she goes, her principal calls her down because she doesn't turn in a piss sample because obviously she the piss exploded all over her face and in her hair. Um, <laughs> and if she had actually done the pee sample herself, it would come back showing that she smoked blunt the night before. Um, and so she goes into the principal's office and the principal says, we didn't receive a sample from you. And she just tells the uh, principal that she smoked weed. And then the principal tells her that everybody smokes weed, that working in education is a stressful job, and that they don't have the money to send off the piss tests, but because she admitted to doing something illegal to her superior office, or not her superior officer, her superior, she was gonna get fired anyway. Yeah. Only because she admitted it. If she had just quietly pissed in a cup, set it on the table, they would have never even known. They wouldn't have said anything about it, but because she came forward, she loses her job, and then the episode just kind of ends after that. Yeah. I I mean, that happens a lot in the first half of the first season, where an episode will just end on a sour tone, and the next episode will just pick up, and it'll be a whole new shitstorm. That's how I kind of feel about the last episode. It's like, the, the jacket... I mean, the episode ends on a high note. It's the only one that I can really remember that ends on a high note because the whole episode, Ern is looking for his jacket, finally gets it back. Uh, or he doesn't even get it back. He look he finds what he's looking for in the jacket pocket. Al gives him a shit ton of money. The only reason it's a little upsetting is because it's revealed that what he was looking for was a key to a storage unit that he now lives in. Yeah, I would not say that the episode ends on a high note. His yeah, relationship but... with Van is still uncomfortable enough where he doesn't feel comfortable staying at the house, even though she says that he can. And he gives her all of the money that um, that Alfred gave to him. And he goes back and lives in a storage unit. And the season ends with him listening to music and crying in the dark. I still wouldn't call it as much of a sour note as the other episodes, where they just end with a real punch in the gut. That one's just like, well, Ern, that's what you get, because the whole season is kind of leading up to this. He finally gets paid, he does the right thing with the money instead of being a jackass, and, you know, he has to go sit quietly in a storage unit like a little piss baby, because that's what he did with his life. It's the only one that I can really think of where the ending of the episode isn't that bad. And, I mean, that just goes to show how fucked up some of the endings of these episodes are. Yeah, I... The last episode of the season is almost indicative of how every episode would end. Because it was so, like... It's a journey that's kind of unfulfilling, because, like... So, the whole episode is spent with Ern trying to find his jacket. They went to a party, he lost his jacket. It had something he needed in it. And um, he thinks maybe they left it in the Uber. So they have to go back to the house with the person who, um, who was their Uber driver after he already had retraced all of his other steps. And so Alfred, Darius, and Ern all go down to see the person who was their Uber driver. And then there's just this kind of like a long scene 
of them just sitting in the car and you get this kind of uneasy feeling and then Ern is like something doesn't feel or not Ern uh Alfred is like something doesn't feel right we should leave and then they pull out and then like a bunch of cop cars swarm them like undercover cop cars swarm them and stop them um because apparently the person that was their uber driver is like a hard drug dealer and he runs out the building um in in, Arn's jacket in the jacket that the episode is centered around and is shot to death in front of everybody extremely suddenly (laughs) yeah and Ern's jacket is destroyed and the thing that Ern was looking for wasn't even in his jacket yeah it's uh that was a weird episode i liked those pretty good i liked it too and i think it was very fitting to be the last episode of the season i think it was very fulfilling as a season finale it just was so upsetting <laughs> i'm a lot more excited to rewatch the second season and talk about that than i was about this one Honestly, I'm falling asleep right here just remembering most of the events in this first season. Other than these, like, five episodes that we just talked about. There's well, there's not... ten episodes in the season, so it's really kind of split in half. Yeah, but the first, you know, it's still 20-minute episodes. You're still spending as much time as it would take to watch, like, a movie and a short one yeah an hour and 20 minutes yeah either way it's still just more it's just more work than i liked it to be it's worth it it's definitely got a great payoff but it's kind of like reminds me of parks and rec in that way where the first season was only six episodes long so the first season a lot of people feel like is terrible (laughs) and i don't think the first five episodes of atlanta are terrible but you know if i had only watched like the first four episodes i may not have continued if i didn't have some sort of emotional attachment to donald glover because i do have an emotional attachment to donald glover i really like him and i wanted to see what where the show was gonna go well on a first viewing not knowing what was around the corner the first five episodes were perfectly fine they were just they weren't even really that boring when i was watching them for the first time it's just knowing that this is not the peak of the show that this is the lowest valley of it it's so hard to get up that hill and get back to the good stuff it makes you just want to skip a few episodes ahead and just you know watch the funny scenes that you like but you know if you're re-watching the show there's no shame in doing that yeah i mean we re-watched it so we could talk about it uh comprehensively but i not... wouldn't re-watch it if you put a gun to my head i so. probably wouldn't re-watch i mean if you put a gun to my head i'd probably do anything but if if you asked me if I were to rewatch season one of Atlanta for a third time, probably not. Um, season two, season two is really good and has some moments that I could probably continue to rewatch over and over again in a same vein of how I rewatch like Brooklyn Nine Nine. There's a particularly great episode in season two that I think I could just watch on repeat for a day rather than watch the first season of Atlanta through the entirety of it. Um, But yeah, it's only 10 episodes. It's relatively a short, brisk walk. It's like two hours, three hours, somewhere around there. And first viewing, it was very funny, very engaging. Uh, And I would highly recommend it. I also would highly recommend it um i think the show is stunning and uses its camera work in a very interesting way even though i usually don't enjoy things that are 
particularly dark. And I don't mean like dark in in terms of like, you know, content, but physically dark, like the camera and the the screen, like everything was just really dull and kind of gray. And usually I don't like that, but the imagery in this show, some of it is really absurd, but seeing it in such a dull form, I think is somewhat impactful. Like the couch out in the um the lawn that they just sit on and smoke it's once on. Not even a lawn. It's like Like a field. It's an empty lot across from their uh or like an untouched lot across from their apartment building that they'll just sit on. And that's where we're introduced to. I believe so, yeah. No, that's not where we're introduced to him, but it is one of the first scenes that we see Al and Darius is out there on that couch. And they're smoking a blunt. Out that's in, their, like, smoking yeah. couch. And it's where, at the end of the season, he comes up to them and asks if they have his coat. And they're rolling blunt on the couch outside in Atlanta, where it's definitely not legal. Um, and I just... I thought that that was really interesting. And the, the show, even if sometimes it comes off as a little bit boring, especially at the beginning, um, it always keeps your eye entertained by doing things that you are just not really expecting. And I would definitely recommend it. I think it's interesting and beautiful and unlike anything else on TV right now. I sincerely cannot think of anything that even comes close to this kind of storytelling that Donald Glover is using. Like, it's very... It's not held to any genre. Yeah, for sure. It experiments a lot with the formula. And if anything, you should take my apprehension to watch the first five episodes again as a good sign because it just speaks to how fantastic and impactful the final half of that first season and the second season following it are. It's a fantastic show. Yeah, I agree. So I think we would both probably rate this pretty highly. I am going to give the first season of Atlanta like an like a solid A minus. A minus. <laughs> I just, those first couple of episodes are really slow, so. Only on the rewatch, though. If you're watching it for the first time, you don't gotta worry about that. I mean, I don't know. I think at least the first two episodes of Atlanta are pretty slow, even on the first watch. I mean, they're, it's slow, of course, but it's not as much of a problem. It's still, you know, strong. Mm -hmm. The acting is great. The cinematography, the set work, everything is fantastic work. Good job, Donald Glover and everyone else that worked on that show, who I don't know by name. 